Our second reading today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, reading from verse 24. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord, and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that through the Holy Spirit, it will lead us into your truth. We pray that you'd speak to us all this morning, teach us new things, remind us of old things, and encourage us all in our walk with you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, the story of Thomas. I think I preached on this some three or four times. Um, it was actually the first sermon I ever gave, I think, in a very small chapel up in Northumberland. So we're looking at the story of doubting Thomas, but I don't want to overdo the looking at Thomas. I really want to look this morning at how Jesus treated him and his unbelief and his doubts. This is the sixth resurrection appearance of Jesus. Uh, in Jewish counting, it was the eighth day after Easter. They always included that first day. So it's a week on from Easter Sunday, quite rightly. We've, we've got this reading absolutely spot on for today. Thank you, Matt. Um, <clears throat> the week before, in the evening, after Mary Magdalene had met the gardener who turned out to be Jesus, Jesus turned up in the locked room where the probably still somewhat shell-shocked disciples were uh, together, probably unbelievably excited, having discovered that actually Jesus had risen from the dead and they had begun to understand. Thomas's problem simply was that he wasn't there. He wasn't there to see Jesus. But I want to be fair to Thomas because on that first Sunday evening, we read earlier in John 20, that Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Exactly what he said to Thomas when he came to him a week later. And then after this, he showed them his hands and sighed. 
the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So interestingly, Mary Magdalene struggled to recognise Jesus, to believe he had risen. She was the first to see the risen Lord. And Jesus, when he came to the disciples in the locked room as the risen Lord, he showed his disciples his wounds, his very much damaged body from the cross. So maybe Thomas wasn't so doubting after all, in that all he was asking for really was exactly the same as Jesus had done for the other disciples. Maybe we are unfair to Thomas, and he's actually quite an important figure in the New Testament, as we'll see. But he doesn't come over very well, does he, in John 20, 25, um, where he says, in effect, unless I see the physical evidence, I will not believe it. He sounds very blunt. It's quite a, a sort of stubborn, stroppy kind of tone one senses here. Thomas will not believe without the physical evidence. Where would that leave us if we were the same? So he's stubborn. He may have been grumpy. He may have been full of doubts or just been an overly scientific sort who insisted on visual evidence. The Greek used here has a double negative to it. Unless, and I will not believe, it's u may, I hope that pronunciation is right, which means not that I won't believe, it means not by any means, never, no way, not at all. Today he would have probably said, no way will I believe. It's a really blunt, I refuse to believe. And that, of course, is an attitude that many people have today. And they have problems too, like Thomas did, in believing this pretty unbelievable truth that Jesus had risen from the dead. The main point of this story, however, I think, is not Thomas's doubts. A lot of sermons go on and on about doubt and how we all struggle with it, and that's fair enough. But he probably was, as I've said, no different to Mary Magdalene or the other disciples. It wasn't that unreasonable not to believe such an amazing story, even though Jesus had alerted them to the fact that this was going to happen some time before. No, at the heart of this passage is not Thomas, but it's the risen Jesus himself. What is he like? How does he treat those who believe or have doubts, or simply refuse to believe? What does he demand of us when we come to believe that he has risen from the dead, conquered sin, death, and the devil? That's what we're going to look at today. What is Jesus like as our risen Lord in the way he treated Thomas and the way he treats us? First, though, just a little bit of background, mainly from John's Gospel. Thomas is listed in the other three Gospels, but he's mentioned eight times in John's Gospel. So our main source for knowing anything really about Thomas is John. In his Gospel, John wrote of seven uh, miracles performed in front of the disciples. These John called signs, and they pointed to who Jesus was, his status as the Son of God. He spoke of those who had come to believe in Jesus and had their lives transformed. For example, 
John 1, Nathaniel. John 4, the Samaritans. John 9, the blind man. Uh, John 11, Martha. John 16, 30, the disciples themselves. And lastly today, Thomas the twin. But in all of this, Thomas was only one of over 500 witnesses to whom Jesus appeared. We had that in our uh, New Testament reading earlier. So as all these resurrection appearances clocked up, really the evidence was just overwhelming. The empty tomb, the lack of a body, the fact that the risen Lord came and spoke to his disciples and knew them as they were, just as he always had. I just want to turn at the very end of all this to um, what John was doing here in writing of Thomas. Well, he was writing to fellow Jews. That's what this gospel was uh, originally written for. Those who were yet to come to faith and realise that Jesus was the Messiah. He probably had no idea whatsoever as he wrote his gospel that over history it would enable millions of people to come to know his Lord. All because of the eternal truths he had been inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down. I'm going to look a little bit later at why John wrote this gospel because he explains it at the end of our passage today. Let's very quickly get back to Thomas Stone. So today's reading relates to the most dramatic event in Thomas's life. But there are other mentions, and he's quite an important figure because he keeps asking all the right questions, it seems. When Jesus had heard that Lazarus had died and was preparing to go, but not in a rush, to raise him from the dead, it was Thomas who spoke up. John eleven sixteen, let us go also that we, we may die with him. So he's not a coward, he's actually pretty brave. He's like Peter, loyal, brave, perhaps somewhat uh, mixed up at times about Jesus and what he was up to. But Thomas had heard Jesus' comforting words about heaven as well, like the other disciples did. John 14 verses 1 to 3. I'm going to read it out. It's a lovely little episode in uh, Thomas's life. John 14, verses 1 to 3. I've got that wrong. Do not let your hearts be troubled, said Jesus. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms... If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may know where I am. You know the way to the place I am going. And then Thomas chips in. John 14, verse 5. Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? At least he had the nerve to pipe up and say to Jesus, sorry, uh, I don't really know at all. And that gives us this wonderful truth as Jesus replies to Thomas. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth 
and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Without Thomas's question, we may never have been given those truths out of the mouth of Jesus himself. So in all of this, you know, as Thomas has been one of Jesus's right-hand men, it does seem a bit odd that he wasn't in that uh, room with the other disciples on the evening of Easter. And he missed out. He didn't see the risen Lord. He didn't see the marks on his body. It is odd, and people have speculated. Maybe he was cowering in fear somewhere. We just don't know. He could have been ill. But he certainly was a little bit isolated and off the pace when it came to being reassured about the resurrection of his Lord. So, we have that denial. I will not believe. And then we have the amazing story today. Can we have the picture up, John, please? I want to sort of dismiss this a little bit. It's a little bit graphic. It's probably not very accurate. Um, it's one of a tradition of paintings um, which are called the incredulity of Christ. There's loads of paintings like this where Thomas is supposedly poking at Jesus's body and making sure that it was truly Jesus who had died at Calvary and was now alive. This was uh, painted by Caravaggio in 1601-1602, but there's loads of others like it. This is probably the best one. And now having shown you that, it could have been like that, my suspicion is that having heard Jesus say, peace be with you, and actually been there with them, he probably didn't need to poke about. But certainly the way they're looking intently at their risen Lord, it shows he's truly commanding their attention and they realise there's somebody very special with them. So doubting Thomas, I have my doubts as to whether that's fair. But in any event, the main thing is how did Jesus treat him and his disciples and how is our risen Lord going to treat us? Right, here we go. Six points about what happened in this story and six points that we can take away from it because he is the same risen Lord for us. Firstly, he is the Lord of second chances. Jesus came again to the disciples, including Thomas. He came twice to the other disciples, once to Thomas, exactly the same way. A locked door, he stood amongst them, and he gave the same greeting. Peace be with you. That's how he treated them. He made allowances for Thomas, secondly, and he gave him all the evidence he had so bluntly demanded. Thomas probably deserved a bit of a rebuke, but Jesus enabled him to believe. Thirdly, Jesus already knew exactly what Thomas had said to his friends and when, what he needed to overcome his questions and any doubts. Fourthly, he confronted Thomas's unbelief by saying, stop, stop doubting and believe, verse 27. Fifthly, he accepted Thomas's expression of worship and belief in his risen Lord. My Lord and my God, 
one of the most powerful and dramatic acknowledgements of who Jesus is. And finally, <clears throat> in uh, verse 29, Jesus teaches that whilst they were privileged to be with him, to actually be with the risen Lord, to see him, those who were still to come, who wouldn't see him physically, will be specially blessed for believing in him. Those who believe and then see. That's us and many others. So how does Jesus deal with us? He treats us graciously too, just as he did with Thomas. He treats us always with gentleness, understanding and insight, and loving kindness. Firstly, he is still the Lord of second chances for all who ever have doubts. So that's you and it's me. It's all of us. Because when we're honest, we all have to say we do have doubts from time to time. You know, what on earth's going on? What's God up to? Why has he allowed this to happen? David used to complain a lot as well in the Psalms. And God doesn't mind because then he can deal with them. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Then he can deal with us. So all of us are regularly given second chances, second, third, and so on. And he will make allowances. That's the second point. Jesus makes allowances for each one of us, and he gives us all the assurance we need that he has risen, that he is there, and that his sacrifice is meaningful. He has won that victory. Easter really counts. Thirdly, Jesus already knows whatever is troubling us, whatever challenges us in our trust of our Lord, in our Christian journey, in our church life, Jesus already knows he can deal with it when we come to him and see him as he is. Jesus still is the Lord who confronts unbelief. He enables us to stop doubting and to believe that's what he wants and he will help he doesn't stand back in glory and just let us struggle on in horrible doubt and failure he is there for us and fifthly Jesus loves all expressions of worship and belief that we give to him my Lord and my God if we can come to him with those words, with that approach, that attitude, that worship, then he is pleased because that's who he is. He certainly didn't say to Thomas, no, no, you've got it wrong, I haven't gone to heaven yet, or anything like that. He accepted Thomas's worship and even our weak worship he accepts as well. Finally, Jesus reminds us that anyone who trusts in him will be specially blessed for believing before seeing. It's not a problem for us, it's a special blessing. And when we do see him in heaven, that is going to be something unbelievably special. So, today, remember, if we believe, we will see our risen Lord, ascended and eternal, our Lord and God, the big question for us this Easter, as with Thomas, 
is do I believe and know that Jesus is my Lord and my God? If we do, then we're fine. We are eternally going to be under that care and gentle love and patience of our Lord. If our faith has become weak, if we've had doubts recently, if we're having doubts now, Jesus is still there for us. He is still gentle and patient. My Lord, my God, your Lord and your God. Amen. Just a a quick prayer in response. Lord Jesus, may we, each one of us here today, truly know you as you are, Rely on your kindness, your patience and your presence with us that we might be those who really do believe in power and enable you to be seen in the world around us as you are, our risen, victorious and eternal Lord and God. Amen.